An internship is an opportunity to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. And don't just assume that what you're doing in your current internship is what all interns do. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting at a desk, do you like it? Do you like the quantity of time you're spending at your desk? Mm -hmm. Do you like your coworkers? Do you like being indoors? Do you like the perks that the company offers? Do you like the environment Mm -hmm. or don't you? And pay careful attention to those nuances because that's going to have a lot to do with how much you enjoy your career, if those things tend to be true for you or not. Mm -hmm. Often people will leave their job because they dislike their manager faster than if they dislike what they're being paid. Mm -hmm. And so just be intentional about what you're experiencing and to make it a successful internship has a lot to do with self-discovery as well as being discovered by your manager and the rest of the company. What's up, guys? I'm Sharon Pack, and welcome to Tech Exploited, the podcast where my friends and I share personal stories about how we obtain success in the world of engineering. Today, I have a really special guest who I attribute a lot of my engineering career to. He has been with Boeing for the last 37 years as a manager of the Southern California Chemical Technology Lab. He is the program manager of Huntington Beach's high school internship program, and he also is a lead mentor for a FIRST robotics team. Just recently crossed the 1,000 mentee mark uh, this year. So Eric, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today, and all the work you've done has not only impacted my life and helped me become an engineer after being a part of the program in high school, but I know you've impacted literally now over a thousand lives of high schoolers that are interested in engineering. Hi, Sharon. Uh, Thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, Wonderful to be here and great talking with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like, Eric, you are a person that I've been looking up to ever since I was literally in high school. And now I've been out of high school for quite a time now. And so let's talk about you a little bit. And you've been with Boeing for a really long time. How did you end up at Boeing? And what has made you want to stay at the company for this long? Well, like you, I started as an intern. And back then, you could pay for your college education by working part-time with a decent job. And that was my near-term goal, to work and pay my bills so that when I graduated, I could get a good job. But it turned out I had a good job once I graduated. And I've been able to stay for, as you said, a long time. (laughs) So you're... You started off at Boeing as an intern, and were you also in like the chemistry lab type of deal, or were you in a different type of role when you were an intern? I worked in a tiny little chemistry lab in a large manufacturing building, and I was the only person in the building with a college degree. Wow, that's crazy. Was that kind of like normal back then, or...? No, we had a regular lab, probably like what you're imagining that all the other chemists worked in. And originally I was hired for that lab, but a week before I was supposed to start, the person working in the dungeon lab quit. And so I got sent off to that lab. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so then is that kind of how your own chemistry lab kind of started? And that's how you kind of became the manager of the chemistry lab over time? Or how did that end up happening? Ooh, that took a long time. I'll try and keep it short. So being in a dungeon lab and the only person with a college degree in the area forces you to be independent. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that I could rely on myself. I learned how to solve my own problems. And Mm -hmm. 
I learned how to be able to do meaningful work for customers. Mm -hmm. I got good enough at it that I could move into a project management role and manage other people. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that led to my people management position, which I have today. How's that for summarizing 37 years in three sentences? <laughs> and I mean, you've done some really, really cool stuff, right? While you've been at Boeing for those 37 years, you've worked on everything from uh, characterizing seats on airplanes. Because I know the last time I went there, you were showing me like, oh, like we're trying to figure out why there's discoloration happening to working on like the shuttle programs with NASA, right? So I'm like, you've gotten to work on like a ton of different stuff during your career there. And I know that a lot of college students now, they don't quite know what they can do with their chemical engineering degree once they graduate, but that you have a lot of chemical engineering students that are now working in your lab and they have chemical engineering degrees. And so what would you kind of describe to someone with a chemical engineering degree, uh, what their job might look like once they graduate? That's a really good question, Sharon, because if you had asked me before I applied, I wouldn't have thought somebody with a chemistry background could work at a place like Boeing. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, a lot of what we operate is engineered parts, systems, things like that. And when they break and you need to do testing of a chemical nature, like think fluid systems or mm -hmm. um, coatings or things like that, then you need an engineer to be able to understand how to, say, remove that system and then test it in the lab in a meaningful way so that the data can talk to what people are seeing in the field. So that's mm -hmm. one way. Bringing hardware into the laboratory and being able to do meaningful testing requires engineering skills as well as chemical skills to understand the compatibility of the fluids and of course, whether you're going to create any hazards, put anybody in danger. Mm -hmm. There's also a second situation where chemical engineers come in very handy. And that is when you work at a place like Boeing, you're often asked to do a wide variety of tests. And sometimes you don't have exactly what you need to do the test, but an engineer is often excellent at coming up with something that is close enough. Mm -hmm. And they can then communicate with another engineer to say, I can't do exactly what you're looking for, but I can do this other thing that should give you the same information. And two mm -hmm. engineers can talk about the meaningfulness of that information and design a test that would allow data to be produced that maybe otherwise couldn't. Gotcha. Okay. And so would you say that those are the two more common roles of a chemical engineer that you see at Boeing? Those are the two roles in which you utilize both the chemistry and engineering. Mm. There are lots and lots of other roles too, in which you would use more the pure chemistry, mm -hmm. or you would also use skills that maybe have nothing to do with chemistry or engineering, um, such as communication skills, teamwork skills, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but those two examples are ones where you're using both at the same time and where having a chemical engineer really is useful. Otherwise, you would need a chemist and a mechanical engineer to collaborate probably mm -hmm. to get the same skill set. Yeah, definitely. And those are hard, right, to come by when you have someone that's like very knowledgeable in both. So that makes a lot of sense. And so having had a lot of interns um, that have worked underneath you, a lot of students that you've mentored, along with uh, hiring full-time employees in your lab, when you're recruiting these different students, I know that you don't necessarily recruit the interns for your high school program, but when you're recruiting students for your lab, what types of skills and qualities do you usually look for 
that they could get from school on what things do you think that they should be kind of pursuing while they're in school to get a position at Boeing at a place like your lab? So let me answer that question sort of in general first, because every manager looks for something slightly different. When I do my interviews with other managers, we often disagree on what skill sets make an applicant most qualified. So I already know if I were to give you my own personal ones, which I'll give you in a minute, they will differ from other manager skills. So just in general, uh, what a candidate wants to do to prepare themselves well is respond to the requisition and look for keywords and understand what it is that the employer is looking for and make sure those keywords are prominently mentioned or addressed at least in the resume. Mm -hmm. And that will hopefully give you an opportunity to interview. Mm -hmm. And for the interview to properly prepare, you will wanna know a lot about the company and have a clear understanding in your mind why you wanna work for that company. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if I wanted to join your family, Sharon, as your long lost brother, you're going to want me to be very invested in your family, what your family does. And if I have no clue what your family does, if I don't know anybody in your family, then I'm not going to be a good fit, most likely. Mm -hmm. Same thing for a company. You'll want to really understand the company culture, what they do, and you'll want to make a strong case why you should be a member of that. And then second of all, of course, you need to have skills that are relevant to the requisition or if you don't, you'll want to be able to emphasize why you will have those skills and why the other skills that you have will be just as important. That's a harder path to go on, but I've hired people who have told me they want to work in my lab, for example, but have never done lab work before. But because they hated being at a desk, they knew that lab work was going to be their passion. Mm -hmm. um, so you can go that direction. Now, personally, what do I look for? I will say the normal stuff, because I think if I go through all of that, it will bore your listeners. But <laughs> yeah. what I would add is I'm really interested in humility and the people that I really like to bring back are the ones that don't tell me what an awesome job they do, but they help everybody else around them do a better job. And those people are good people also. And they're quick to come tell me whether somebody has helped them. Mm -hmm. And when I'm constantly being told of somebody who is helping them, who is not telling me what they're doing, mm -hmm. then I understand that they're a true team player. They're not in it just for self-promotion mm -hmm. and they're in it to try and help the organization grow stronger. Mm -hmm. And if I can find people like that, those are gold. And those are the people that I would strive to hang on to. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And so when you're looking at a candidate, because I think that there's like two sides when you're interviewing, right? There's like the personal side of like someone that's really humble, because you don't want to hire someone onto your family, if you will, for using that analogy, who's very prideful and doesn't have like a heart to learn because they're like a know-it-all type of deal, right? You want someone that's very like malleable and that's like willing to learn from others and easy to work with. But you also kind of want some base competency skills, right? And so if you were to weigh those out, like what would you say is the split between the two? Well, let me answer that two ways. First of all, the direct answer to your question is I would rather err on the side of character strengths over skill strengths. Mm. I can teach people to be good in my lab. I can teach people to understand specifications and people can grow and learn in their knowledge. 
-hmm. I can't teach people to be a team player if they aren't already willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, you ask in an interview setting or a resume setting how I do that, and that's almost impossible. Uh, You've done this before yourself, and so Mm -hmm. I think you probably understand the conundrum. If you are a humble person who doesn't promote yourself, you're going to do poorly in the interview most likely. Mm -hmm. And so I do argue that if you are a humble person, that you have to say things about yourself that are true that put you in a good light. And I know that's hard for some people to do. I would argue that if it's hard for you to do that, you might actually be the best candidate. So you have to figure out a way to do that, that you're comfortable with, that get that across. And Sharon, you bring that up. That's just a very, very difficult thing for people to do. One of the things is for you as an interviewer, it's very important that you get your candidate to relax and get them to speak comfortably. A lot of folks in this category are very good one-on-one or with their friends, but in large groups or with unfamiliar people become nervous and don't represent themselves as well as maybe they would in front of people they're more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So as an interviewer, it's our responsibility to try and get people relaxed, to get them comfortable sharing about themselves and to listen well and try and bring out that content Because if we don't do that, we're going to end up hiring the charmer who everybody likes and may or may not have those skills and may or may not be a team player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome advice. And do you have any advice for those students who want to try and build up those skills where that's not their natural strong suit, where they're kind of shy or more timid, but they're a great worker, they have great character, they have the knowledge, engineering background. How would you kind of encourage them to uh, question themselves more. Yeah. What I would suggest is think about yourself honestly and identify what your strong characteristics are. And let's say one of your strong characteristics is you are a good team player. Now, that's not something you really want to say in an interview because it's almost a throwaway (laughs) comment. Everybody would know enough to say they're a team player. So what you want to do is think of a story in which you served as a team player and that team did amazingly well and be prepared to describe your specific contributions to what made that team successful and just tell the story honestly as it occurred in your life so that the listener will understand what contributions you made and you're not bragging. And if you run it by a friend or somebody who knows you well, maybe a coworker, and they make it you know, they understand what you're saying. I think that's the best way you can prepare. And uh, again, uh, I I really emphasize this because especially girls have a challenge. Often guys will put themselves out there and offer up things that they may or may not be solid on as if they were solid. <laughs> yeah. And they're not lying. They're just showing a confidence that maybe girls sometimes feel like they have to have done it 10 times successfully before they're going to mention that they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's one difference that unfortunately gives an edge to guys because sometimes the girls are unwilling to go there. And of course, there's differences. The overlap is such that more guys are willing to do that than girls. And so I would suggest for any girls listening 
that they really work maybe with a guy friend of theirs to really bring out what it is that they've done to contribute so that they come out sounding very strong and confident in the interview. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a good candidate, you should be proud of these things. I know it sounds braggy and some people are uncomfortable with doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if, it, if you're worried about bragging and you're trying to be humble, you probably are a good candidate. You just need to be able to say it in a way that you have some confidence and you can communicate what you did well. Mm -hmm, for sure. And so would you say that uh, for people who are scared of sounding like braggy, for example, that they should just go and rehearse with like a friend and be like, hey, these are the things that I'm doing? Or should they rehearse with strangers? Or have you found any success um, preparing any of your thousand mentees now <laughs> <laughs> on those different interview skills? Because I know that you also have a lot of very successful female engineers in your lab. So how did you kind of bring that out of them? So I guess a really good person to find would be a professional that supports you or is an advocate for you, especially maybe one that's more senior, because you're right, Sharon, a lot of folks don't understand maybe what a good story looks like. They may, they may think I'm just doing my job or I'm just doing normal things. Um, Often if you're good at something, Sharon, you think everybody's good at it. So that's normal to you. So true. And you almost need somebody else to step back and say, look, I know lots of people. You're better at whatever X is than anybody else I know. And that will help give you the confidence that you can bring up that story and understand that you will be impressing somebody, listen, instead of maybe just saying something that, you know, isn't as impressive. So yeah, I guess yeah. to answer your question specifically, somebody who is an advocate, who's professional. And then my second choice would be somebody who's close to you, who really cares about you. Yeah, 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 for sure. And do you have any advice for finding and seeking out those mentors? Because I feel like when I was in high school, I was just like scared of everyone, right? I actually learned a ton from my first internship at Boeing, because I think I've told you, right, when I was interning at Boeing, I didn't know what mock was. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what Boeing was. Um, our professor, or no, now he's a professor. Back then, he was our high school teacher. Uh, Mr. Habbard was just came up to me. Is like, do you want to? What are you doing this summer? And I'm like, nothing. He is like, do you want to intern at Boeing? And I'm like, what is Boeing? <laughs> and then I didn't realize how big of a deal that was until I went to college. Um, but at the time when I was at Boeing, I, I told my friends, I remember, who were interning with me, I felt like I was given like a knife and like thrown into a jungle because I didn't know anything. <laughs> and they're like, go fend off and go survive. And I'm like, I don't know like what all these fancy engineering terms are. I don't even know. I didn't even know that there are planes that went this fast before coming here. I thought the only planes that existed were like the commercial planes. I didn't realize that our military planes went like way faster than <laughs> I just thought they were just loaded up with weapons, you know? <laughs> and so then when people were mentioning stuff like mock, and it's like, what? Something could go that fast. And like, what is mock? And I was just so scared to ask questions. Um, but it was through people like you where I was like, oh, it kind of like built up my confidence. But I got lucky because I was a part of this like program, right? That I got randomly dropped off <laughs> where they're like, do you want an internet Boeing? And I was like, sure. Um, but how would you encourage high school students to find those mentors and those older, more senior adults to kind of like guide them through those different phases? Because I know that finding peers is pretty easy, but finding mentors might be a little more challenging. 
a lot of more experienced coworkers struggle to find people who really want to listen to them tell stories and talk about their experiences. And not all of them will fit into this category, but with a little practice and talking to a variety of people, it's likely you'll find somebody who will be happy to regale you with stories of sort of some of the questions you're asking me, but maybe on a more technical level. And if you find somebody interested in that, you can start asking them their advice. And once they understand that you value their opinion, you'll often maybe get as much of that and more as you would ever hope for. Mm-hmm. So basically, just go and practice talking to strangers until one of them lands, right? <laughs> right. That's an excellent way. Also, it's likely you'll have a manager. Your manager would be a great person to have as your advocate. Mm-hmm. A lot of managers now are virtual or too busy to really get to know all of their people. So there's no guarantee that will work. But a manager is in a great position to advance your career or find other opportunity for you. So never forget about that possibility. I just understand that that may not always be an option for some people. For sure. And I mean, going back to like managers and like coworkers, um, I feel like that's really applicable for a lot of students first or first couple of internships in college. Um, As someone that manages an intern program, what would you advise uh, for students to do in their internships to be successful and to stand out? Well, to be successful, Okay, you're you're asking two questions, actually. <laughs> yeah. To stand out suggests you want to bring attention to yourself so you can have career advancement. And right. so let me handle that one. That's the obvious one. I would say uh, look up the 10 things you can do with zero talent and memorize that list and that's a make thing. sure you- I didn't you... even know that's a thing. Yeah, oh, it's great. I mean, just to give you some examples, I'm not going to go through all 10 of them, but it's like, listen carefully, be on time be coachable, smile, you know, things like that. You don't need talent to do those things. And yet most people don't do all 10 of those things. Make sure you're doing those 10 things and you're already 90% of the way there to standing out because most people don't do those things. Um, The only other thing I might add is work hard. I don't know if that's on the list or not, but being willing to work hard and do those things is pretty much enough. I don't expect people to walk in and have all of the skills. Now, you asked something before to be successful for your internship. That may, in fact, be standing out. But more importantly, an internship is an opportunity to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. And don't just assume that what you're doing in your current internship is what all interns do. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting at a desk, do you like it? Do you like the quantity of time you're spending at your desk? Mm -hmm. Do you like your coworkers? Do you like being indoors? Do you like the perks that the company offers? Do you like the environment or don't you? And pay careful attention to those nuances because that's going to have a lot to do with how much you enjoy your career, if those things tend to be true for you or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Often people will leave their job because they dislike their manager faster than if they dislike what they're being paid. Mm -hmm. And so just Be intentional about what you're experiencing and to make it a successful internship has a lot to do with self-discovery as well as being discovered by your manager and the rest of the company. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, having so many interns, right, in all these years, which interns to you were the most memorable? Which ones do you feel like you remember the best? Is it based on what they did? Was it because they're smiling and greeting you all the time? (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I have written in a lot of letters of recommendation. I would rather the hire the intern that helps me clean up after the poster session than the one that wins the poster session. <laughs> so yeah, you can kind of tell where I'm coming from on this. But I also would add, Sharon, problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Interns that can independently take on a difficult problem and solve them, not on their own necessarily, but by finding their own solutions, by talking to people, by finding their own resources. Uh, some people are just amazing at that. And who wouldn't want to hire somebody like that? And so sure. I would combine those two answers to give you hopefully a little bit of a snapshot on who has really stood out over the many interns that I've had the privilege of working with. So if you, you guys can't tell, Eric loves thoughtful people. So if you're helping him clean up and you have good character, he'll love you. <laughs> It's just harder to find people like that than it is to find people with good GPAs. And Mm -hmm. so you've got, if somebody is willing to do those types of things, plus Mm -hmm. they're smart, Mm -hmm. that's again, somebody really worth hanging on to. And if you are that person, never be ashamed to clean up or to offer to help do some mundane job that might be perceived by others as beneath you. Because sometimes if you don't do that, your manager will have to do that. Mm, That's so good. And so that being said, when you're evaluating candidates for your lab specifically, how much does GPA really matter to you? Hmm, that's a good question. So a high GPA at a difficult school demonstrates that you've put in a lot of work and you've achieved something. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no denying that. Mm -hmm. However, a high GPA is not required to do well in my lab. Uh, I believe my company is pretty much going to filter out anybody below a 3.0. And so I'll take a look at anybody over a 3.0. I do look at GPA and I also look at the school in which you went to. um, But that is just one of many reference points. Okay. And so what are some of the other reference points that you kind of like to lean on? Some of the big ones. Right. Well, I'm going to predicate this by saying, uh, first of all, I'm not Boeing HR. I don't speak for Boeing HR. And I'm sure if Boeing HR were here, they would tell you something different. And so I don't believe necessarily in the traditional resume and one hour interview process as a great way to find the right candidate. Mm -hmm. So even for me to answer your question, if you were then to turn around and ask me, so if you found all that, what confidence level do you have that that person would turn out to be an all-star? I'd probably say 10%. And so <laughs> that's pretty low. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and that's why I have the privilege of running this uh, internship program. I get to see in eight weeks what a person is really like. And that's not always what you would make as a first impression. Uh, so in the first impression, to answer your question, I'm going to be looking to see if they have the inventory of skills or experience that suggests they can do the job. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be looking for hobbies, interests, or things that people have shown when they have free time. How do they direct that free time? Mm -hmm. And is that in a way that I feel would uh, synergize well with my group? Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to be looking for, you know, the basics. I'm going to be looking for somebody who has a major that is going to qualify them to work in my area and possibly an internship or a research position that's going to have given them the opportunity to 
figure out if they dislike the kind of work I am going to provide. Uh, for example, if you're applying for a job and you've never done that job before, the person on the other end is always going to be concerned that you may learn you don't like that position. And you'd rather they learn that with somebody else's internship previously so that when you're doing the internship, the interview, I'm sorry, the interview, you can just tell all kinds of stories on how you really like that work and why you want to do more of it. So, true. so that would be a little bit of guidance. But again, I'm never 100% confidence. In fact, like I said, it's probably below 20% that just looking good on a resume and a one hour interview is going to be enough. I've made some pretty poor decisions based on that data set alone. I mean, it's really hard, right? Because you only have one hour to try and judge someone's character, their work ethic, how much you think you'd like working with them. And you're working at least 40 hours a week for the most part, right, with this person. And so it's really hard to try and figure out in one hour. And I'm right there with you. Well, and we've touched on it a little bit before. Some people are just naturally enthusiastic, naturally great communicators, and naturally charming. It's hard to separate all of that from people who are very qualified and have a great strong character that are gonna allow them to do a good job. Those two are not always the same people, and yet it's hard to look past that first individual and not draw attention to them. And so that's uh, just one difficulty that there is when you're a hiring manager. Often these energetic, enthusiastic people are go-getters and will only stay with you for a short time until they charm the next person who can offer them something better. So true. So true. And I mean, and then you get heartbroken, right? When they leave and you're like, but I love you. Why are you leaving us? (laughs) I'm happy for you, but also I'm sad. (laughs) It sounds like you've been there, Sharon. Yes, exactly. 100%. And so that being said, you've created this amazing high school internship program at Boeing. And uh, how many schools, again, how many high schools in the Southern California region are a part of your internship program? We have 14 partner schools in the Orange County area. That's incredible. And are you guys continuing to grow out um, that region or is it kind of just like locked into those 14 schools? I wish I could say we were growing, but unfortunately, Boeing's presence in Southern California is declining, and I'm struggling just to keep the program as large as it is. Uh, You might not even recognize some elements of the program because now we were doing virtual internships before the pandemic, and we've had to spread to having mentors who are not co-located just so we can keep the size of the program what it is, about 65 interns a year. Wow, I didn't even know that at all. Because I was like, we were coming in every single day. But that was also when the campus was a little bit bigger at the time when I was there. Right. Well, the interns come in every single day, but the mentors don't. Uh, Some mentors are virtual and work locally, and some mentors work in a different state. But we've been able to find ways for them to provide assignments, and our interns can find meaningful opportunity that way. I know that for this internship program in particular, the high school screen which interns you get, and so you don't really have a say in which interns you get. But do you know of any other uh, Boeing high school internship programs? Sure. There are quite a few, and I don't know all of them. I'm still trying to learn. We have another one in El Segundo of a similar size. We have one in the Puget Sound, Seattle area that is slightly smaller, but I believe they pay their interns, which is nice. There's a few in Oklahoma City, there's a few in Charleston, and there may be a few other sites that have high school intern programs as well. And so for those programs, can anyone just apply to those and 
do you know when those applications might open up? Or is it more like your program where you already have partner high schools and they just kind of feed into your internship program? So the one common thing is your school is going to want to call attention to you. The difference between the program I have the privilege to administrate and some of the others is I take them directly from the school. I don't know most of the interns when they show up whereas others do have an interview step with Boeing where they get a chance to talk to the candidates and do a down select of the students that the school has pre-selected. Gotcha. Um, so, so it's like a two-layer process. Personally, I have to say I like the way we do it because I get messages almost every day now from people who want their son or daughter in the program and since I am in no position to help anybody get into the program because the schools make the selection, it makes my life a lot easier. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I mean, you're already running a whole high school robotics team. You're running a lab. You're also running this program for interns. And so between the three of them, along with your own personal life, because you have three kids, you see your daughter just got married recently. I'm like, your life is chaotic constantly. You're in Ohio right now. <laughs> yes, it's, it's never dull plenty of things that will keep you busy. But look at it this way. I get to meet people like you every year and it's just hard to put a price on that. It's worth a lot of time just for that privilege alone. Yeah. So I guess like that leads into what made you want to continue this uh, Boeing High School internship program and what motivates you to also run uh, the first robotics team, uh, even when your son graduated from the school? Because a lot of times parents, they'll kind of step away from the program once their kids are done with it. But you decided to not only be a part of the program still, but you're basically spearheading the whole program. Without you, it'd probably be very hard to keep that program together. Um, you're the glue that's holding it together across two different schools. Well, you're, you're very generous, Sharon. I don't know if that's true, uh, <laughs> but I can try and address your question as far as why. Um, first of all, it's a great sandbox for leadership development. Uh, I'm blessed at Boeing to have a wonderful team that gives me very few challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, the intern program and my robotics team are full of challenges. You're trying to do things often that have never been done before in very structured institutions that don't like change. And for me, that is a tremendous leadership challenge to often be able to make forward progress when you have so much headwind. Mm -hmm. A second thing is I use this as a talent pipeline and I've actually hired people off of the robotics team and out of the high school intern program, as you've acknowledged. And I honestly believe some of those hires have been some of the best ones I've ever had the privilege of making. Um, it turns out if you're a wonderful person when you're 17 years old, you're going to be a wonderful person when you're 27 years old as well. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> And the last thing I already touched on, I get to meet people like you. If I didn't run these programs, I wouldn't know you. And there's a lot of people I feel very connected to that I wouldn't know as well. And it just makes up for all of the frustrations, all of the effort uh, to have somebody in your life who supports you, cheers you on. And as you're so good, reminds you that you are doing a good thing, even if you're getting nothing but frustration that particular day. <laughs> yeah. 
For sure, Eric. Without you, I would not be an engineer today. I didn't know what Boeing was. Boeing is what made me want to go into aerospace. If I had not interned at Boeing, I would have never seen what engineers did. And so while I was going through engineering school, which was miserable, um, but I learned a lot. I met a lot of good people. I loved my professors, but the actual classes were really hard, right? I already saw the light at the end of the tunnel because I was like, Boeing, my internship was so much fun. And I got to meet all these really cool people and work on all these cool projects. And I wouldn't have had that experience if you were not running the program. So, (laughs) Again, you flatter me. I think you would have turned out just fine, Sharon, either way. But you're very kind to say those things. Yeah. I, I'm telling you the truth, Eric. I, I think I would have dropped out of engineering school and went into business if I had had an early internet <laughs> and I knew what it was like after I graduated. But um, do you have any uh, words of wisdom for current college students, anyone that uh, might be struggling maybe through school, they're kind of losing hope because maybe they didn't get that high school uh, Boeing experience that I had. And so they're like, why am I going through this? Is it really worth it? Uh, Should I become a chemical engineer? What should I do? (laughs) Right. Uh, So yes, and I have that conversation with lots of people who have pretty much told me what you just said. It sounds like you know some of the same people that I know. Uh, Okay, so if you're struggling, obviously, there is no easy answer. Mm -hmm. I would just say that there are paths to your future. Some are steeper and some are less steep. The less steep path always is going to look more attractive and appealing, but it doesn't take you to the high places that the steep path does. Mm -hmm. And I would be very intentional about what you're looking for once you go through this very difficult program. Just doing difficult things just because they're difficult is not necessarily the answer. Mm -hmm. You wanna end up in a place where you are going to find fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And often for smart people, they are going to be fulfilled when they're using that large brain of theirs. But to be paid for using that large brain in a meaningful way means you have to use it over and over again in college. And college is difficult and you're surrounded by other smart people doing the same thing. I would just say that stick to it. Give it your best effort. The cream does rise to the top eventually. Sometimes it requires patience. Internships are super hard to get, especially at companies like Boeing. We have thousands of applicants and we tell many qualified applicants no. And it doesn't mean that they're not qualified for the position. It just means somebody else got the job who was qualified also. And I understand how difficult that is. I've had those conversations. Um, Think about it as you have a very large ladder and you have lots of rungs in it because you're a smart person and you can go far. But you want to be very intentional which wall you lean that ladder up to. So when you get to the top of it, you don't have to come back down it and go back up it ever again. You can enjoy whatever's at the top and whatever you can see. And to do that, unfortunately, for many of us requires a lot of effort. So I can't tell you not to struggle. I can't tell you it's going to be easy. I can just tell you that if you're intentional about what you're doing, it will be worth it. So true. And I mean... I, I went through the exact same thing. I went to school for five years and I was struggling. And 
now I'm having a great time helping to work on the next generation of spacecraft and even having conversations with you. Like I got to bring you into my workplace the other day and we got to kind of compare and contrast um, the differences between the programs that you worked on with the different like shuttle missions and then the uh, workplace that I'm at right now, which is kind of a more like startup-y uh, mm-hmm. space environment. So that was super fun. And it was. Now we're having fun, but maybe the process on getting here wasn't the most fun. It was kind of hard to get to. (laughs) (laughs) DMI. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. Thank you so much, Eric. I had so much fun chatting with you. And you shared so many brilliant words of insight. Um, I'll have to take a look at the the list of 10 things that you mentioned earlier um, that anyone could do. And thank you so much again for being on the show tonight. Well, Sharon, like always, you're way too kind and uh, you give me far too much credit. Uh, I just hope your listeners are not bored. I have enjoyed every minute of getting a chance to share and talk to you. And congratulations on your wonderful podcast. And thanks for letting me be a part of it. I really appreciate that. Of course. It's going to be a hit. All of your interns, all 1,000 of them are going to listen to it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Tech Exploited. If you learned anything from this week's episode, I would really appreciate you leaving me a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're looking for more career tips, I post weekly content on Instagram and TikTok at Tech Exploited. Love you guys and I'll see you in the next one.